Okay, everybody, it's Big Daddy, and it's another Big Daddy and Friends. And as always, I'm going to bring on a friend, a high-profiled guest, and a guy that I've been friends with for a while now. And uh, I've been watching him do his thing on TV, so I, I, I think he's as shocked as I am that now the roles are reversed. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so with that being said, let me welcome my man, Michael Smith. What's up, Michael? Nothing much, man. It's good to see you. Good to talk to you. And definitely, the, the roles are reversed. Uh, I, you can do anything, and, you, and you, you've done it all. I, would, I don't know that I expected you to be doing uh, your own show, but I, I should have known it was an eventuality. It was the, <laughs> I should have known it was going to be the frontier that you would cross before it was all said and done. So congratulations, buddy. Uh, thank you. Thank you. You know what? I, a year ago, a friend of mine said, man, you should do a podcast. You know, you're doing all this stuff on Fox and, you know, this and that. And at first I was kind of like, man, it's not like I don't have enough on my plate to begin with. And uh, then I'm like, you know what? Let's do it. And I got yeah. this opportunity and uh, off we went. So it's been, I always say I'm asking all of you, and let me use proper English, all of my friends yeah. to join me and help me. So uh, that's what it's been. And we've been telling stories and, you know, we always tell stories on how we met. So I'm going to tell a story, see if you remember how we met. So, okay. Um, yeah. Cause, cause honestly, I, I'm going to tell you straight up, maybe you will jog my memory, but I, when you, I think you know this, man, when you, when you know somebody and you've known them for a long time and you, and you hit it off instantly. So think about it. It's like, Oh, I feel like I've known this person forever. Mm-hmm. or a, a long lost brother, a long lost relative. So therefore, as time goes on, it, it becomes fuzzy how you first met because you feel like, oh, well, I've always known Big Daddy. Like, like, yeah, when did I first, you know, because so, I, yes, refresh my memory, exactly. Because it's, 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 so it's, here, here, We met at the owner's meetings and uh, I believe it was the breakers. Uh, I think it was at the Breakers, yes. And uh, we were sitting, and we kind of ran into each other, and we started, you know, shooting the shit. And, yeah. Hey, what do you do? And obviously, I knew what you did and why you were there and whatnot. This, was, was this at a bar? <laughs> <laughs> no. Actually, it was at – I remember exactly. It was at breakfast. At breakfast, yeah. Okay, at the buffet. And, uh, so, you know, here I am. I'm kind of like the new guy because, first and foremost – I know everybody knows me, but still, an owner's meeting was something really different for me because uh, of the level of, you know, people that were there and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, I had to get the, uh, as they say, the cojones to feel like I belong there. Mm. You know, now I do, but uh, Mm -hmm. back then, I'm talking, what, probably 15 years ago, maybe? Yeah. I I can't even remember exactly. That sounds about right. Yeah, because my first owner's meeting would have been – uh, probably toward the end of my time at the Boston Globe or at the beginning of my time at ESPN when I was still a, a, a national NFL insider. So that would have been 03, 04-ish. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Something around there. I'm, uh, yeah. I can't hit the date on the head, but I do remember and where and how and whatnot. Yeah. And then, um, and then we just hit it off. And, you know, we've been friends since. And, um then we started talking about custom clothing. So I'll never forget, you know, I introduced you to my man, Joe. 
Yes. When you uh, you started getting clothes, and I remember <laughs> you sent me a text, Big Daddy. I can't introduce you to my wife because she's gonna beat you over the head. <laughs> <laughs> because I got I got hooks. Yeah, you. I, I remember I had told you. I said, you know, when you get one of these, it's like you're gonna it's, want two or four, and I'm like, you gotta take it slow, and you know. And and Joseph Went was fantastic for me. And no, it's like it is one of those where. It is. It's a. It's a privilege. Yeah, but it's when you when you get custom clothes, you're like, oh, this is the only way to do suits. You know, to that point, I was a no disrespect. I was a men's warehouse kind of guy, or you know, a department store kind of guy, and off the rack. And I get alterations. Yeah. But there's nothing. And I and I got a unique build too, man. Let's face it. Like I got, you know, I, I run about six feet, but I'm a forty four regular. You know, so I, I got I have a long torso relative to my legs. Like I, I'm out of I'm out of 30, 32, uh, I'm out of 32 length. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, so I got specific tailoring needs, shall we say. <laughs> so when I found somebody that could construct a suit, you know, uh, to my build, I'm like, oh, yeah, where have you been all my life? <laughs> well, what do you think? I'm a, you know, I was first going to uh, all the big and talls and putting on. I used to call it drapes because mm. I had to wear the jacket was different than the pants. Yeah, and custom, and then all of a sudden you get introduced to this world of custom clothing. And knock on wood, uh, I've been like that ever since. Although nowadays you don't need to wear a suit. Everybody yeah, this is this is me now. I mean, yeah, I, haven't, I haven't worn a suit in a long time. You know, yeah. so my, most of my suits probably don't fit me at this point. You know, yeah, I uh, I wear a suit but no tie, and uh, you yeah. know, one requires ties. And unfortunately, due to these uh, pandemic times, uh, the dress code has really gone down. Which hey, I know a lot of people are are not complaining. Only yes. the only the retail stores are so uh, exactly exactly. But uh, anyway, so you know what a lot of thing uh, a lot of the fans want to always know and learn about Michael Smith is what started you in your career path. Like what gave you the incentive or let's say motivation to want to get uh, be an NFL insider and then tell us a little about uh, tell us a little bit about the progression that you took. Obviously, I know it all, but I want to yeah. share it with the viewers and listeners. Yeah, I would say, man, like, uh, you know, I got my start thanks to other people recognizing something in me that I didn't even recognize. Like, the only thing I would say that I've always uh, had naturally and always been aware of is, like, I'm just, I'm a hustler. Like, I'm going to bust my ass. I'm going to put, you know, my, my, my dad put that in me, you know, whether it was academics, um, whether it was athletics, like either play it or don't, but whatever you do, don't half-ass it, don't half-step. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a perfectionist and he instilled that in me. And so I've always been a high achiever, if you will. Um, you know, I enjoyed writing, but I never thought of writing as, and, and journalism as a, as a career, but for high school teachers being like, yo, you know, you're a really good writer. You should think about going into a career uh, related to writing. I was like, yeah, all right, cool. So I did a high school internship at the paper in New Orleans. Boring as shit, Big Daddy. Like, I remember being in this dark room for two weeks and having speakers come in and barely being able to stay awake. It was just, I'm like, I'm not doing this. But I guess somehow, some way, maybe I smiled at the right person or I had a firm handshake or something. I made an impression on the people at the New Orleans Times-Picayune and specifically a lady by the name of Lynn Cunningham called me up a few years later 
while I was in college trying to figure out what my major was going to be, what I was going to do with my summers, whether I was going to get a job, go to summer school, whatever, offered me a high, uh, excuse me, a, the first sports internship in the newspaper's history. They had never had a sports intern at the New Orleans Times picking you. So I was like, shit, you're going to pay me to write about sports? Sign me up. So I did that. And then just the kind of the way I'm wired, that's like once I, I got that feeling, I was like, okay, what's next? Well, now I want to challenge myself. I want to go to a bigger market, a bigger paper. And I remember applying to 30 papers around the country. And the only one to give me an opportunity for an internship um, the following year was the Boston Globe. And so I went to the Boston Globe the summer after my sophomore year of college. I kicked ass there. They brought me back again after my junior year, kicked ass again. They said, hey, when you graduate, you got a job waiting for you. Oh, wow. And my, and my mentality, whether it was there or whether it was at ESPN, which I went to ESPN full time three years later, it was always just to outwork and outhustle an X-Man or woman uh, and just to show up. And I think the owner's meeting story was a prime example of that, man, because you know, at that point, I'm 24, 25 years old. The Boston Globe or ESPN wasn't tripping over themselves to send me to the owners' meetings. That was me pushing to go to that, yeah, and saying, "Hey, I need to be there. I need to see and be seen. I need to meet people. You know, I need to. I need to. In order for me to have sources, I need to have sources. I need to develop relationships. I need to get my face out there. I need to, you know, be at the bar, be at the restaurant, be at breakfast, shake hands." hand out business cards back when we used to hand out old school business cards you know what i mean and so that's just always been my mentality man and it served me well i know that feeling uh very well because just like you just said you're a lot of people say to me how did you get to where you're at and i used to say i always wanted to be where you had to be i made it a point i went to owners meetings you know at first, with a little resistance, but then, you know, uh, it all changed because I always tell people that the guys who are at the bottom always go to the top. Somehow, yeah. some way, one day, you know, maybe a year later or two years or ten years. And uh, and then, you know, I was welcomed as a professional. Everybody knows, hey, there's Big Daddy. He's the guy that insures uh, players. And, well, you know, then it led to media. Then it led to team contracts. And then it's, you know, it's built a whole world around it. And um, so I understand the being there and being in the mix and letting people see who you are. I automatically stand out anyway. So, you know, half the time, <laughs> half the time people are like, is that a security guy or is that a player or what's, what's his story? And then I'll never forget Roger Goodell. We're at the owners meetings in Orlando one year. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Somebody says, somebody introduces, them, some, introduces themselves to me. And I say, how you doing? Nice to meet you. My name is Rich Salgado. And uh, Roger goes, that's not his name. It, listen, that's Big Daddy. And I'm like, okay, now the commissioner's calling me that? Yeah, yeah. I'm golden, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's when you really made it, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, and then, you know, it's like you, you – uh, so you you left the newspaper world and you went to ESPN. Yep, yep. And you did so many things there, man. I mean, like obviously, like I said, I know your story, but for the fans, yeah. listener, you know, the viewers and the listeners, uh, you have to get a little bit, get into that a little bit. So it's weird, man. Like, and it's and I can say this looking back because when you're in that machine, it's hard to really be aware of it 
to this extent. But while I was while I was on the rise, I was I was steadily losing myself. And by, by losing myself, I don't mean losing a sense of who I am, but I mean like losing a sense of what it is that I actually wanted to do because I felt like the goal was to get my own show. Mm-hmm. And honestly, looking back, that, that should not have been the goal for me. But when you're 24 years old and you're on national television and you're on Around the Horn, that's when I got my national start was on Around the Horn while I was still at the Boston Globe. And then you're 25 years old and ESPN is like, hey, come work for us full time. And they set up a studio for you where at the time I was doing all that. There was a time, it's, it seems so foreign, where ESPN did not have live programming all day. <laughs> you remember, you don't know to remember this. I'm old enough to remember this. No, where it was I like Sports Center reruns. Yep. You remember that? Yep. Mm-hmm. Sports Center reruns all morning. And then there would be a point in the afternoon where they would start the live programming. And I was on every one of those shows in the afternoon. And it was in, in terms of national NFL insiders, it was me, it was John Clayton, it was Chris Mortensen, it was Lynn Pascarelli. And that was it. Mm-hmm. That was it. Um, and so all of this was coming earlier for me, man. And I was like 25, 26, you know, covering the draft, like, and not covering the draft, like draft insider, you know, one of the, I was one of the first, I was the first person it's no, it's, it seems like it's no big deal now, but back then, the NFL insiders did not share the set with the analysts. Okay. In other words, it would be Trey Wingo alongside Sean Salisbury and Merrill Hodge. And over there in the corner was Michael Smith. And okay, let's go to Michael for the latest on this story. I was the first person to be on the set with the insiders carrying on the conversation because at that point I was a hybrid between the around the horn guy and an NFL guy. So that's when I started becoming a personality. Yeah. That didn't happen before I did that. Now it's no big thing to have Adam Schefter or any other insider right next to the inside, right next to the analysts, right? The former players. So anyway, but at that point, man, I'm thinking, okay, I got, when am I gonna get my own show? When am I gonna, I was, I was moving too fast, man. I was moving too fast. Everything for me was like, I need to have my own talk show. I'm ready for that. Bro, I'm 26, 27, 20 years old. I wasn't ready for that, you know? Um, but eventually I got it because I felt like that was the thing. That was the thing that would validate me was to have my own show. And eventually I got it in 2011 i want to say so that would make me what 32 if my math is right my memory serves 32 33 something like that got my own show in 2011 12 started at numbers with numbers never lie that evolved into his and hers by 2014 by 2016 um they tapped us on the shoulder was like you know y'all should come host sports center uh talk about coffee shop conversations uh, that we had a cup of coffee on Sports Center, <laughs> and by and by twenty by twenty eighteen, you know, uh, I was in professional limbo, and I spent twenty eighteen. I spent Mar- from March of twenty eighteen to uh, September of twenty nineteen. I was in professional limbo at ESPN, 
had enough of that and I left ESPN in 2019. And ever since then, I've been uh, finding my way to where now, um, you know, I am in the process of, of continuing to build my own content company. It's called Inflection Point Entertainment. Mm-hmm. And in my spare time, I'm back doing a daily talk show uh, hustle on NBC and Peacock. Show's called Brother from Another. But long story short, man, like, I think for me, the moral of my story, if I mean, is basically like, you know, you think when, when it looks on the outside, like you are living a dream. What I realized is I'm living, I was on the inside living somebody else's dream in terms of I was doing the things and chasing the things that I thought represented success. Mm-hmm. You know, having your own show, being on ESPN, making a bunch of money, having people know who you are. That, that wasn't what it, that's not what it's about. And it's not what it should have been about. But when you're getting all that at a, at a young age, you don't really know any better. Other people are defining what success looks like for you. Or at least I didn't know any better. I don't want to project on anybody else. Looking back now at 41, I could be like, man, that, you know, I was, I was worried about the wrong shit, you know? So. Well, it's kind of funny, you know, I, uh, everyone asked me how I fell into the Fox and friends thing. I, uh, met one person uh i booked a guest for them and then all of a sudden i found myself with the mic in my hand Hmm. and i'm like whoa what like and it was kind of funny i tell the story the first time i went out uh it was super bowl in dallas it was uh green bay pittsburgh so i'm out running around interviewing people and of course everyone's like hey daddy what what are you doing with a mic you know what's this camera crew with you know so you're answering that then a fight breaks out uh, in this club, and the uh, one of the guys who's in the middle of the fight wants to, like, start with one of the guys that's with me. So I'm like, where are the bouncers? You know, like, what's going on? And I'm still holding the mic in my hand. So the guy says something to me, and I'm like, I know you you must be drunk or something because you, you – you're about to get put to sleep if you don't leave me alone. And the first thing the producer goes, Big Daddy, you can't beat the guy up while you're holding a fox mic. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I knew. I'm like, okay, I'm in a different world, you know. Yeah, yeah. We're not in Kansas anymore. So, uh, but uh, you know, I've uh, I've been fortunate be doing to be doing that for a few years now, and I've done a lot of hits and whatnot. And some of the relationships I've developed with some of the talent over there is what allowed me to make this transition or addition to my portfolio of yeah. a show like this. And and like I said, asking friends like you to come on and join me and, and let's uh, shoot the shit and, yeah. you know, and not talk about all the things that, you know, ESPN wants to do and NFL Network and NBC and all that. All right. And it's, and, you know, uh, and we talk about trending things and, you know, topics that, um, you know, I had Steve Weish on last week, and he was great. Yeah. We, we uh, Steve and I, just like yourself. That's my been, guy. Yeah, we've been friends a long time, and uh, and we talked about how we first met. I met him and Jim Trotter in Atlanta in the press box at a Falcons game. And yeah. we've been friends for forever as well. So we got into talking about, you know, diversity and the coaching hiring and all that. And, you know, yeah. my brother – my brother Jim is a defensive backs coach with the Bills. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, for him, you know, us being Hispanic, we're always 
hey, where's he going to get? When's he going to get his chance? Or where's this going to come up and whatnot? And, and the way Steve explained things and and some of the things that we got into, it was incredible. Like yeah. I, I I ended up getting educated by him on what he thought the process, how it should go, and how unfortunately it is. You know, and that yeah. would take us another two hours to get into all that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's interesting when you're on the other side of the fence. You know, mm-hmm. as they say, you know, it's uh, you, you, I had Andy Reid on and that was really a big, yeah, that was a big throw for me Yeah, because, you know, Andy and I go way back Yeah, for him and I to like the, again, now I'm on the other side of the fence interviewing him and you're like, okay, you don't want to interview, you don't want to say the wrong thing or ask the wrong question or, you know, or get the, uh, the, Big Daddy next, <laughs> you know, like some of the other people get sometimes with some of these. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's been uh, it's been so interesting. It's been a lot of fun and uh, and uh, you know, again, I enjoy it and I, especially when you have friends like yourself on here. So real quick, what's uh, what else you got? What are you thinking? What do you got lined up? Anything? Any any future plans? Any projects? Yeah, I think what's what's so far what's so cool, man, is like. You know, so our mutual friend, Eric Mangini. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was at Eric's camp a couple of years. This, I was at Eric's camp right when I was like in the knee deep in the thick of the shit. And like I, I was just there, remember? Yeah. You, yeah. You, but this, but, you were there with uh, Jamel was there too. No, but it wasn't this. It, it, this was this was not last year. This would have been, or, or this—I mean, this wasn't a few years ago. Yeah, few years. This, would, this this would have been either like last year or the year before. I want to say it was the year before. Okay, I think I, I didn't see you. I was I there? Yeah. Was I there? Not that, I don't think you were this time, yeah. or yeah. maybe if you were, we missed each other. Yeah. Um, this would have been, um, you know, I was still at ESPN, so I was still in the thick of the shit. I was just mm-hmm. in like professional purgatory. Like I'm, so this would have been maybe June of eighteen. Something like that. So Eric had me speak to the kids. And it's at Bulkley High School in, in Hartford, Connecticut. It's one of the, as you know, Big Daddy, it's one of the biggest. That is and, the biggest camps. I've, it's incredible. I mean, like, he gets a thousand kids. I'm like, oh, my. It's in, in Hartford. It's, yeah. it's like, you want to talk about, it's incredible, the turnout. But also, it is a who's who of NFL coaches, personnel, people yeah. in the community. It's incredible. Like, the amount of people that you see uh, and, and meet or see or get reacquainted with there. So anyway, he has me talk to the kids. And he, his introduction to for me actually spoke to me and inspired me in a way that I don't know that I've expressed this to Eric. I hope I have. But he said that since he's known me, and I've known Eric since like 2003, 2004, he was like, ever since I've known Michael Smith, he's always found a way to reinvent himself. Whether, whether it was as an NFL reporter and then as uh, an, an analyst and a commentator and then as a host and an anchor and then anchoring his own show and then anchoring SportsCenter. It's like Michael's always reinvented himself. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I have done that. He's like, yeah. And so something that was subconscious and almost like just a means of survival in that moment, I embraced it. I'm like, yeah, you're right. 
this is just another opportunity for me to reinvent myself. And so I say that to say, man, like, it's funny, at 41, and after 20 years in this, I feel like I'm really just finding myself right now. I feel like I am figuring it out still. Like, I don't have all the answers. And I don't know, I don't have a blueprint. I don't have a map. I don't have a five-year plan. What I'm doing right now, more than anything, is I am learning to enjoy the process. People say trust the process, but trust in the process does not always come with embracing or enjoying the process, at least for me. Yeah, yeah, I trust the process, I trust the process, but when's the process gonna be over? Well, when, when am I gonna get results? When, 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 am I, when am I gonna start getting, getting some Ws, some wins? Man, I had a shitty day-to-day, Big Daddy, when it came to like some of the conversations, some of the emails, some of the disappointments or the setbacks I had, but I made it a point to be like, yeah, you know what though? It's all part of it, on to the next. Like, what am I gonna learn from it? What's my next move? What's my pivot? What's my counter? And so to answer your question about what's next, man, it's like, I'm trying to tell stories. I'm trying to tell them my way. I'm interested in working with the kind of people that I wanna work with. I'm interested in amplifying and uplifting marginalized voices or people who just need a boost. Uh, to, to bring awareness to what they're doing. And man, I'm just trying to create content and tell stories. Inflection Point Entertainment is about telling the stories of change within individuals, institutions, and industries. And it's about telling stories the way they need to be told by the people who need to tell them in whatever form that takes. Yeah. Podcasts, movies, documentaries, all of that. So I got some projects in the works, man. I got a bunch of ideas on a wall, a bunch of projects in development and production. And I'm in, yeah, brother from another is cool. That's how I get, you know, I got a platform. I'm, I'm having conversations with a good friend of mine and Michael Holly. But more important, man, is telling stories and, and connecting with and, and building with people that, that are like minded. And so that's to, to answer your question like, do I have, what are my plans? What am I trying to do? Man, I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to evolve. I'm trying to reinvent, which has served me well over the years. That's, uh, you know what? Those are the same lines that, um, I would be saying, you know, I'm thinking along those lines and uh, reinventing myself. You know, I've already branded myself as an insurance expert guy and, and athletes and all that. And I have a couple other uh, businesses that I've gotten involved with that we'll have to talk offline. Yeah. And um, it takes you to so many different places. It introduces you to so many people. You know, I'm dealing, uh, you know, I, I ended up interviewing uh the founder of Priceline.com, Jeff Hoffman. And, you know, that was, like, really, for me, way overboard because, all right, here I am sitting with this gentleman who's – I called him Big Daddy. I was like, like, you're the real Big Daddy, you know. So uh, things like that, and and it's like this show. I want to tell stories, or the line is, I want to tell the story about the stories. Oh, I like it. That's what people like want to hear. I like it. And that's why, uh, by the way, June 28th, uh, 2021. The is big the classic? The classic is coming back, so I hope nice. you can see it. And, uh, you know, those are some of the things that I'm looking forward to because it's a way to raise money, give back. You, know, you got to do a live show from there, too, man. You got oh, to do, yeah, do a show right. from there. You got to have a setup. Yeah. yeah, we can have a nice setup and have everyone on and have fun. You could, you could bank a lot of episodes for sure. Yeah. Um, 
but I know, but I do have to get going, and I and we should, we should do like a part two. But I know I got to ask you a question. Yeah, we're on the way out. Ahead, so yeah. let me let me ask you a question. I would say, man, like, you know, we talk a lot about brands in this business, but reputation means something else. Reputation is the root of relationships, and nobody has better relationships than you, and therefore nobody has a more sterling reputation than you do. Um, so I would ask you. What is it that you would hope that people say about you when your name is coming up in rooms that you're not in or in conversations that you're not privy to? What is it that you would hope that people say about you? That I'm a guy who's, uh, if I said I was going to do something, I did it. And that I was an honest guy and that I was just nice and simple. You know, everybody, you know, uh, the biggest thing I always get is, well, as big as that guy is, he's got the heart of a teddy bear. And, and, you know, that's, that's been like that forever, which is fine. I, you know, I appreciate when people say nice things. And again, thank you for your great uh, words and compliment, but uh, that's really it. I just want to be able to go to bed at night and at least know that people know that I'm not a thief, an asshole, a crook or pain in the ass, that I'm just a person trying to do a job and also help people and never forget the people that helped me. Because yeah. a lot of them, I didn't do this all by myself. You know, there's right. a lot of right. people that deserve credit and deserve thanks. And I never forget those people. And you know what? Having friends like you, I never forget that. That's why I reach out to you. So Yeah, man. No, and I appreciate you, man. And I, I like to think that I try to only surround myself with positive people and, and people who are, are good and are trying to, you know, do good in the world. And so... You definitely fit that description, man. So um, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the conversation. Uh, it's good to go down memory lane, man. Yeah. Uh, man. And, let's, and, and let's do it again. We'll let's do it again and we'll talk. Since now, now this is like a catching up, let's do it again and talk about like maybe there's a specific topic that's on your mind or that's on mine and we could like we could chop it up on something specific for sure. Absolutely. I like this. Absolutely. Good. You know, when you can do it and we'll definitely knock it out. All right, man. All the best. Congratulations, man. I like this. You got a vibe going. You got you got a, a this is a vibe. This is good. This is thank you, thank you. Glad thank to you. make it. All thank right, man. And uh, be good. I'm about to go get baby Jordan to the uh, to practice. And uh, to everyone out there, Big Daddy and Friends will be back real soon. And again, make sure you watch my man Michael Smith on Brother from Another. Everything else he's got going on. Until next time, see you soon.